This is the Worth Recovery Podcast, featuring women in addiction. to be with you today for the next episode of Worth Recovery. I hope you took me up on my challenge last week and shared this podcast with someone you love and someone that you know is struggling with addiction, particularly a woman that might be struggling with addiction. I'm excited to report that we had our very first international downloads this week. So shout out to all of our international sisters struggling with and recovering from sex addiction. I'm in the United States, and that is where this podcast originates from, but we had downloads in two other countries, and not on this continent even. So again, big shout out to those international sisters. Know that we love you. I'm so excited to be sharing this with you and hope that you'll get on the website and share your story with me. And kind of on that note, I would like to do an all call. I am looking for women to interview. I would love to learn from you and share in your recovery. So are you willing to be on this podcast with me? Get online. Our website is worthrecovery.com and go to the women's stories page. You can either submit your written story that I can read online or we can interview you and feature your story in a podcast episode. So fill in the contact information. Let me know you're interested. This is going to be one of my long-term projects. So I'll take as many women as I can absolutely find who are willing to share with us. Okay, so let's get down to business here. Episode four. Today's episode is about shoulding. Yes, shoulding. And yes, I know it's not a real word, but I hope you'll relate as I start to explain what it is. One of the many problems I have had to overcome in recovery is shoulding. It was a very strong voice in my head for years. And I'm going to share a little bit of how it manifests in my life, okay? So let's just pretend you're in my head while I'm running some errands one fine afternoon. I'm in a good mood and I'm feeling really productive so far today. A song comes on the radio, one that I totally adore. I totally love music, yet one that I know is probably a little bit more explicit than my lust can handle. And so in my head, you start hearing these kind of things. You should change the station, I think to myself. After a few more seconds, my mind starts again. You really should change the station. Fine. I reach out and change the radio station. I glance over and see a car similar in shape and color to my own. It's been snowing nearly daily for the last few weeks, but this car is immaculate. It's so shiny and it looks great. Wow. I should wash my car more often, I say out loud. Okay, I pull into the Target parking lot, a retail store, where I intend to pick up some cleaning supplies. As I drive closer to the front of the store to find a parking place, I think, I should park farther away so I have to walk more. Only lazy people park near the front of the store. But I see an open spot near the front, so I park and go in. Once inside, I I walk to the household section. I pass the clothing section and a mirror. I catch a glimpse of myself in the mirror. You shouldn't have left the house wearing that. I start to feel a little antsy. 
I find the household section. I pick out one of my favorite laundry detergents, but I have second thoughts because it's a name brand and a bit more expensive than some of the others. I should be saving money and using a cheaper brand. I spend an extra 10 minutes smelling and comparing brands. Finally, I walk away with my favorite detergent, but kind of have this nagging feeling that I'm doing the wrong thing. On the next aisle, I find the toilet paper. I spend a lot of time comparing brands and costs, even though I did the same thing last time I was here to buy toilet paper. I start thinking, you should remember this from last time. You've done this before. You shouldn't need to do it again. Mm, I pick up the toilet paper, doubting myself, and move on. The end cap of the aisle has these adorable orange and white striped throw pillows. I love the color orange. It totally makes me happy. And these pillows would look awesome in my living room. I've been looking for pillows for my couch. I check out the price. Eh, a little more than I would like to pay for them, but they are totally me and so need to be in my house. You should stick to your shopping list and your budget, I tell myself. Totally true. I should do those things. But my budget does include some money for home improvement, and these are well within the budget. I stand there having an internal debate with myself. A woman approaches and picks up one of the pillows. Uh, I panic a little bit. There are only two on the shelf, and I wanted both of them. She picks up the other one, puts them in her cart, and goes by. Oh, you should have grabbed those when you had the chance. Now they're gone. You are so stupid. I'm mad and frustrated as I watch her walk away. She is so pretty and put together. She knows exactly what she wants, and she goes right out and gets it. You should be like that, I tell myself. You're 40, and you don't even know what you want to do with your life. You should know that by now. I take my cart and slowly start to move back to the cleaning supplies. On the dish soap aisle, I notice a man looking for a specific kind of soap for his dishwasher. His daughter is in the cart, talking and singing to herself. Now, I love little kids. Seriously love them. I catch her eye and I start making funny faces at her. She giggles. I make another face. She giggles more. Her dad notices and looks at me. Uh, his expression is one of disdain. He stands between me and her and his daughter. I'm at least 20 feet away and I pose no threat. She tries to look around him. I can see her head kind of popping out from either side, but she can't quite get all the way there. Mm, your daughter is beautiful, I say. He grabs his soap, glares at me, and turns and walks away. Man, the shooting begins. You shouldn't have said anything. You shouldn't have made faces at his daughter. He probably knows you're an addict, and he thinks you're going to kidnap his daughter. Right? For sure. You should just get out of here. I start to work through my list quickly. I just want to get out of the store and be done. Standing in the checkout line, I'm annoyed by the man in front of me who can't make up his mind about anything. Stuff is going in and out of his cart. He rearranges it, waiting for it to be his turn. You shouldn't be so judgmental, I think. What is wrong with you? It's not going to go any faster if he does or doesn't rearrange the stuff in his cart. The kid behind me bangs his cart into my leg. His mom berates him and he starts to cry. It's not that big of a deal. It didn't hurt. I should stop her or say something. He didn't mean to and it didn't hurt. But I don't say anything and I feel miserable for the kid. I need to get out of here. It's finally my turn. The cashier rings up my laundry detergent twice. I explain the problem. The young cashier is totally annoyed and rolls her eyes at me. Finally, though, she takes it off. And I get through the line and I push my cart out to my car. I load everything in with thoughts like, you should just go home. You just get in everyone's way. You shouldn't try to be nice. No one is nice back to you. I can't believe that woman just walked up and took those pillows. You should be more decisive. 
Yeah, by the time I get into the car, I've talked myself out of finishing my errands and really just want to go home. What started out as a great afternoon has derailed big time. I start glancing at the people and the cars around me on the drive home. You should go on a diet and lose weight so you can be thinner so people would love you. Um, you should get a new car so people will think more about you. You really should have your entire life figured out by now. I mean, you're 40. That could be like half your life. You should just go home and stop being a problem for the world. Another great song comes on the radio that I probably shouldn't be listening to. This time, I turn it up and sing every single word. It doesn't matter, I tell myself. You shouldn't even try. When you do, it never works out. Rather than cook the food I have in my fridge, I order takeout. You're damaged goods, I tell myself. People don't even want you to make faces at their kids. You shouldn't even put in the effort to feel better. It's not going to work. Rather than meet a group of friends later that night, I stay home. Anxious, lonely, disconnected, and flooded with shame. Feeling shameful not just about my behavior, what I have or haven't done, but feeling shameful about my body, my mind, my personality. Feeling shameful about being me. Not what I did or what I didn't do that was bad, but I'm bad. I'm fundamentally broken. Shoulding is one of the strongest voices of shame in my life. Shame says should. You should do this or that. You should look like this or look like that. Or maybe it's you shouldn't have behaved in that way. You should have known better. You should have acted better. You shouldn't burden people. You should always serve people. You should shut up and stop talking. You should love everyone without exception. You shouldn't be so judgmental. You shouldn't cry. You shouldn't be angry. You should be an adult. You should have your life together the way that you want it. You shouldn't be struggling. I, I think you get the picture. And I really could go on and on. That's how strong the should voice is in my head. The sh and shame says should. These examples are small. And maybe they're oversimplified of how shoulding shows up in my life. But they are real. In the intense moments when it gets bad, it sounds like this. You shouldn't exist or take up space in this world. All you do is cause problems and act out. You've tried to make changes a million times. This isn't going to work. You shouldn't be here. But it never started that way. It starts with the little things. The little examples of shoulding about my car or the way I looked. When should works in the little moments, the big moments aren't even a battle. When I started recovery, shoulding had become internalized. I couldn't have an interaction with anyone or any place without some sort of shoulding showing up. You are smart. You should know better. You shouldn't have said that or responded that way. It was all over. As a result, I didn't want to interact with people. I wanted to just be by myself where no one could shame me or should on me and where I wouldn't shame or should on myself. But that, that didn't work. We are hardwired for connection, Brene Brown tells us. The more isolated I became, the more shoulding I would do. You should go out. You should do something with your life. You should get married. You should want to go out. You shouldn't be lonely. It's your choice to stay in. You should, you should, you shouldn't, you should, all over the place, all of the time. That resulted in just feeling lonely and desperate. And prior to recovery, that would end with me acting out again and again 
and again, which caused more and more shooting and more and more shame in my life. Feeling more and more internally broken and fundamentally flawed. It had to end. I knew it had to end. And in recovery, I was introduced to the work Healing the Shame That Binds You by John Bradshaw. Here I read, quote, A person with internalized shame believes he is inherently flawed, inferior, and defective. Or he also said, Toxically shame people tend to become more and more stagnant as life goes on. They live in a guarded, secretive, and defensive way. Later in the book, he says, to be shame bound means that whenever you feel any feeling or need, you immediately feel ashamed. The dynamic core of your human life is grounded in your feelings, needs, and drives. When these are bound by shame, you are shamed to the core, close quote. That was me. I was bound by shame to the core. Shame was paralyzing. I couldn't do, say, or feel anything without also feeling shame. I liked a song, equaled shame. Someone else washed their car. I felt shameful. I looked in the mirror, more shame. I took time to make a decision, more, more shame. Someone gave me a weird look. I drowned it in shame. Someone got mad at their child. I was feeling shameful. I bring an error that would cost me money to someone's attention and I feel shameful. Sometimes it was something I did or said, but sometimes it had nothing to do with me. It wasn't me at all. Just being around people brought me shame. I was shame. Being alive and taking up space was shame. Where did I get all of this shame? Why was just being alive shameful? Why was having a feeling or being around others who were having feelings shameful? And then I read this from John Bradshaw's book, quote, the job of parents is to model. Modeling includes how to be a man or woman, how to relate intimately to another person, how to acknowledge and express emotions, how to fight fairly, how to have physical, emotional, and intellectual boundaries, how to communicate, how to cope and survive life's unending problems, how to be self-disciplined, and how to love oneself and another. Shame-based parents cannot do any of this. They simply don't know how. Close quote. Now it made sense. My parents were very shame-based. I don't remember them saying things like, shame on you, or I'm ashamed of you. But I do remember the word should. And I remembered it a lot. However, what I love about the idea from Dr. Bradshaw was the last two lines. Shame-based parents cannot do any of these. They simply don't know how. That described my world perfectly. You can only teach and model what you can do yourself. And my parents couldn't do any of those things, mostly because they just weren't aware what they were doing. But I was now aware. And since I had awareness, I could stop. I knew that shooting shut me down all the time. Shooting shut me down. And so I decided to eliminate the word from my vocabulary. Seriously. I was going to stop using the word should, not just in talking to myself, but in all aspects of my life. I figured if shoulding had that effect on me, I'm sure it could also have the same effect on others, right? I wasn't going to be part of any type of shaming. Shaming is not anything that I want to be a part of, ever. 
And so I decided to stop. So how do I stop exactly? (laughs) I started by replacing the word should with could. You could wash your car more often. You could change the radio station. You could go out with your friends. You could feel angry. You could cry. That alone made a massive difference in my life. Using the word could opened it up as an option rather than feel shamed into a certain type of behavior or away from a certain type of emotion. I started to realize how much choice I really, really did have. And it helped me start to take responsibility for the choices that I was making. It reframed the words into words that became empowering instead of shaming. Next, I started changing the pronoun. Rather than you could, I changed it to I could. I could speak up if needed. I could feel lonely. I could make faces at kids. I could stay home if I wanted. I could go out with friends if I wanted. That also made a huge difference. Rather than being pointed or talking about myself almost in third person, you could, it became more internal. I could do these things. I could make the choice to do these things or not do them if I wanted. And then the last thing I did, I told everyone what I was doing. As I got more and more brave and better and better at not using the word should, I started to tell people. I remember a conversation I had with my brother where he kept saying, I should do this or I I should feel this way or I should feel that way, but I don't and this and that. And I could tell he was starting to feel bad. And I said, you could stop shooting on yourself. He laughed. It's kind of funny, right? And I explained how shameful shooting is. How enough of it makes you start to feel bad about who you are and the choices that you're making. I explained that I tried to never use the word should at all, ever. And I asked him to help me. I asked him that if he heard me use the word should to stop me. And he has on several occasions. And it it feels good when I do use it and he stops me or anyone in my life stops me, I reframe. I stop, I think about it, and I find a way to reframe it using the word could. Now, let me let me tell you, these changes didn't happen overnight. They weren't easy. They've taken years of diligent practice. Nearly everyone in my life knows that should is not a word in my vocabulary. I'm not about shame. I'm not about shaming myself or others. I'm about could. I'm about choice. I'm about options. And I'm about taking responsibility for those choices all the way down to the words that I choose to use. Shame is not useful. Shame does not help people move forward in their lives. Shame is one of the biggest fuels for addiction. Last quote from John Bradshaw today. Again, the book is Healing the Shame That Binds You. Quote, our society is highly addictive. We have 60 million sexual abuse victims. Possibly 75 million lives are seriously affected by alcoholism with no telling how many more through other drugs. We have no idea of the actual impact on the economy of the billions of tax-free dollars that come from the illegal drug trade. Over 15 million families are violent. Some 60% of women and 50% of men have eating disorders. We have no actual data yet on work addiction or sexual addictions. I saw a recent quotation that cited 13 million gambling addicts. If toxic shame is the fuel of addiction, we have a massive problem of shame in our society. Close quote. 
So my challenge to you today is to stop shooting on yourself. Find the voices of shame in your life and figure out a way to silence them. It's not easy. It's not easy at all, but it is possible. Chip away at it little by little. Choose your words carefully, especially the words you use when you talk to yourself. Know that no matter what is going on in your life, no matter how loud the shame and the should voices are right now, you are worth recovery. I know that. Keep up the fight, Worth Warriors. Okay, till next time, Amy. stuff. The mission of Worth Recovery is to dispel shame and build hope in the lives of women struggling with and recovering from sex addiction. I am not associated with any 12-step group, religious organization, or therapeutic clinic. I am an addict sharing my own experiences and recovery.